All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started with class this morning. Welcome to class. Great to have you here. And so my admonition this morning, looking at this life of Joash the king, number one, always, always, we must always have spiritual influences in our lives every day. Get into the word of God. Stay in prayer. Stay in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. That we, we stay faithful to his word. That we stay faithful with meeting together. That we stay faithful as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage each other. Because the world will continually attack us. Not in the sense of necessarily persecution. We might see that. But the idea is going to be whether you're going to give up your faith, your truths to fit in with culture, to make everybody else happy, to, uh, is it really that big of a deal? Is worldliness that bad? And the answer is absolutely it is. It's destructive, it'll destroy you, it will ruin your life. And Satan will be going, it's not gonna be that bad. Don't worry about it, it's okay. Everybody else does it. You don't have to be a freak. And Cheryl and I look at each other almost on a weekly basis and go, it's okay to be a freak. It's okay to be freakish. It's okay to be weird. But you know what? It, it, it doesn't have to be weird. It should be normal. The normal Christian life is faithfulness to God and His Word. And so let me just encourage all of us to stay in the Word, to stay in fellowship, and to, and to make sure that we're keeping those spiritual influences in our lives on a daily basis. Let's pray. Father, as we begin our class today, I just want to thank you so much for who you are and the blessings that you give to us each and every day. May we be, not, may we be mindful of your goodness and never take it for granted. May we not take each other for granted and the value that each other brings to each our, our lives. The spiritual encouragement that we can provide for each other. The, the blessing of hearing the word and being reminded of the word. May we never get tired of hearing it. Because Lord, it's the only thing that transforms. The renewing of our mind, as Romans 12 says. God, I pray your blessing on class today. Thank you for everyone who's taken time out of their busy lives. To sit under your word today, may your word speak to their heart and life. Bless them, Lord. I want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know from this morning's uh, service, uh, our topic, our person of the day, our apostle, the action of the people today is Silas. And uh, I, I hope that today's lesson will be practical to us when dealing with the issues of Christian culture. As Pastor Jonathan tried to illustrate today, communicate today, there are times when the church struggles together. There are times when we don't always agree with each other. There are times when the church has controversies that they need to deal with. And the goal of everything is to be unified. Because that's the, what Jesus prayed. Father, may they be one. 
as we are one. See, we're the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God, but three persons. Very unique, very distinct in their responsibilities, okay? But they are different, but they are one. That's the idea of the church, that we may be unique, different, gifted differently, with different responsibilities, but we're still one. And that's very, very important. Silas was chosen to faithfully represent the word of God. And it's interesting. You've got to think through what's happening here because uh, we, we understand the culture and what's happening. Consider the council at Jerusalem. Okay. Acts 15, 22 to 29. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers, with them, and they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us with our author, without our authorization and disturbed you. Okay, what was that disturbance? What was the problem? False doctrine on what? Circumcision. Okay? The Jews were wanting to make the Gentiles circumcised so that they would fit in with the Jewish culture. But that's going back to the law again. And Paul, I believe last week, clearly communicated this kind of, this idea, well, we want to fit in with those around us, our culture, this kind of a, almost a legalistic idea. You've got to do it this way or you can't be saved. You can't be one of us unless you do it this way. And it's interesting, if you actually look at how Paul addresses all of this later in time, like what he did with Timothy, Paul was even influenced to circumcise Timothy. Why? That was not part of the, the, the grace of God that we've been under. But, he, 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 you know, but Paul had also an idea that said, I become all men to all people that by all means I save some. So we just kind of like, I'll get rid of some of the cultural barriers and conform to what's going on here to hopefully win some people to Christ. But still, this whole attitude is like, no, we, we, we want to conform to make everybody happy. But if you also, if you go to the book of Romans, which we've all done here, and I went through Romans 14 with us, Paul's even addressing even this thing that, that comes out of this, okay? He says, uh, so we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're sending Judas and Silas to confirm by the word of mouth what we were writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and not uh, and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So here's Paul, Barnabas, Judas, and Silas going, they're, they're sending this letter from the council and saying, hey, everybody, these are the only requirements. You don't have to be circumcised. You get to Romans 14, and Paul says, um, I'm convinced that there's nothing unclean in itself. You know, if you, you know, some people don't eat meat offered to idols, and some do. Who cares? <laughs> By the time he gets to the writing the book of Romans, he's already changed. He's dropped that one off the requirement list. So the culture of the church is changing. 
It's like, what really is the requirements that we should follow as Christians? Now, today, we don't have, we don't go to Kroger and have the struggle of going, okay, that's a T-bone that was offered to idols for $4.99 a pound, and that was a T-bone offered for $9.99 a pound. I'm going to eat the $4.99 pound one. Amen. <laughs> and I would go for the $4.99 one all day. But there was a culture that was struggling with that. And then Paul later, by the end of Romans, he basically says this. I will neither eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything that causes my brother to stumble, to be offended, or become weak. What's he saying? Paul's attitude, he struggled with this. He knew the freedom he had in Christ, but he says, you know what? I'm willing to give up my freedoms so that I don't impact the gospel in a negative way. I'm, I will, I'm willing to do anything so that the gospel will continue forward. Now, folks, I, you know, I, I, the last time I spoke here two weeks ago, it's the same message I have today. And it's this. Is the gospel the preeminent thing in my life? On a day-to-day -day basis, is the gospel sharing the good news of Jesus Christ a preeminent part of my life? Is everything that I do designed ultimately to get the gospel to people? Or is it about my happiness? Is it about my future? Is it about my status? Is it about my responsibilities and getting my job done and doing everything that I have to do in order to get paid or to be able to enjoy family and grandchildren and wife and, and neighbors and brothers and sisters of Christ. What's, what's it all about? And I, I think if I was honest with myself, I'm more interested in me than the gospel a lot of times. It's not, in other words, it's not the focus of everything I think and do. And it needs to be. That's not for preachers. That's not even for teachers. It's for all of us. What is it that we are focused on in our lives? And so Silas has now been asked to go with them to do this. And he said, you know, what was the council addressing? Okay, and we know this. We talked about it. Unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. Okay, that's that attitude of following the law again. And you know what? The law sounds really spiritual. In fact, it can make us prideful to think, well, I do this, I don't do this, this, this. I'm such a better Christian than you because I don't do these things. And then all of a sudden, this pride begins to well up, and it's, it's satanic. It's this attitude is I'm better than you are because I don't do these things. It's like, wait a minute now. The Christian life is one of faith in the Lord Jesus. It's believing in him. It's resting in him, not in our works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace, his unmerited favor, have you been saved? And it's not by works. Unless anyone should boast. And so, in other words, the Christian life is walking by faith every single day. And so they sent Paul and Barnabas, and they were, and others went with them, Judas and Silas. Now it's interesting, okay? They communicated this. He says that some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, 
the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So they sent him there to go through the, the after much discussion. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and belief. That was spoken in, in the Psalms. I was in my devotions today. Three times the Apostle Paul addressed the Psalms that this is the case. In Romans chapter 15, he's talking about, hey, the Gentiles were going to believe. The Gentiles are going to believe. And God brought to God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. So let me ask this question. Does the Holy Spirit enter ungodly people? No. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you repent of your sins and come by faith to Christ. He says, I, he goes, that he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we could be the righteousness of God in him. So we receive the righteousness of Christ and he takes our sin. That's awesome. And positionally, even though we still sin, positionally, we are sinless in Christ because he's paid for it. And so the Holy Spirit came on these Gentiles. And then these Jews were saying, wait, no, 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 no. We've got to, we got to make some rules here to make them more righteous. We, they got to follow the law just like we used to do when we were under the law. And it's like, no, 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 no. But you know what? That's really hard. If you think about it, the Jews followed this for centuries. This was the law of God. And now all of a sudden, a switch occurs. And they're thinking, as Pastor Jonathan said this morning, we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. It's like, when did they worship? When did the Jews worship? Sabbath, Sabbath was when? Saturday. Saturday. Then you go to Romans 14. Some of you, you know, worship one day, some of you worship another. Some of you worship on Sundays. Some were worshiping on Saturday. Some were worshiping every day of the week. He said, you'd be fully convinced in your own mind. Just chill out. Do whatever you want to do. And he's like, whoa. But we've always followed the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, the Saturday. You have freedom in Christ. You can worship any day of the week. That worship every day of the week. But you don't have to necessarily meet together every day of the week. Again, you don't have to. It's change. And it's hard. And what we're used to, it's like growing up. Many of us grow up with traditions in our own home. And we think that's the way it's supposed to be done. And then somebody else comes across and says, they don't do it that way. It's like, whoa, I don't know if that's right. And you begin grappling with it. You know, show group at a church. And when she was told, when she was a teen, you know, tween or whatever, that the pastor came in and said, a woman who wears pants is going to hell, basically. A man should wear that one pertaining to a man. A woman should wear that one pertaining to a woman. And they went home that day and threw all the girls' pants away. And they wore dresses from there on. Until the pastor's daughter became a teenager, she came to church one day with pants on. It's like, what's up with this? My dad changed his mind. <laughs> what? 
Okay, so the church will always struggle. Here's, I love Paul's statement. I've already said it to you. Romans 14. Everyone must give an account of himself to God. You've got to be fully convinced in your own mind. You don't have to make anybody else happy. Because the one you need to have be happy is the Lord Jesus Christ. God. You're going to stand before him. You're not going to stand before me one day. You go, Lord, wait, wait, wait. Loose said and home builders. And Jesus is going to look at you and go, so what? Did I command him to say that? No. He went rogue. Now, I don't think so. Everything in my power is going to be filtered back through the word of God. Everything that I say, I am fully convinced I'm telling the truth. But does that mean that I'm perfect? And you should expect that. So you have to, by the power of the word of God and the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding you, you've got to be fully convinced for yourself. Because you're the one standing before the Lord one day for what you believe and do. Okay? And so this is what this is all about. These are, they're, they're struggling with this. And how do you deal with this change in the church? No, we believe that it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Don't add to their burdens. So Judas and Silas were chosen to go with Paul and Barnabas. Why would they need to send others with Paul and Barnabas? Weren't Paul and Barnabas well-known, well-respected? Yeah. So why would they have to send somebody else? Couldn't cover enough ground. They, they couldn't cover enough ground? Yeah. They sent Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. Yeah, that, that way they're confirming because when Paul and Barnabas left to go to Jerusalem, they may think, well, Paul's already got this idea, so he's going to come back and he's just going to say, yeah, everything's good. <laughs> My opinion is still the same. No, we need to confirm this. And so that way, and then they, they Paul was saying here, then they had to spread out, and they did. So God used them in a mighty way to do this. So why were they chosen? They were godly leaders. They were also prophets of God who encouraged and strengthened believers. You go to Acts 15, 32. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. They were already prophets. They were already preaching. They were already preaching the word of God. They were faithful in that. They were leaders within the church. Okay? Why was this necessary? To confirm the letter with their own testimony that it was true. It was necessary so that it confirmed in the counsel of many their safety. And in all honesty, sometimes we as Christians need more evidence. Paul Barnabas comes back. They're like, okay. But if Paul Cole comes with it. Okay, now I can trust him. Because I know Paul, and Paul's a good man. And if he says it, I can believe it. Well, and you, you have people that go out and they come back and say, oh, all these wonderful things have happened with my ministry and everything. And then you go and check with the churches and it's like, mm, yeah, that's evangelistically speaking. Right. Oh, is that the truth? <laughs> I remember an evangelist 
who actually, because the pastor told me this, went to a church and preached and gave an invitation. And because he did not get enough people to come forward, he kept, he kept the invitation going on for an hour. The pastor eventually had to stop the service. But the pastor, but the evangelist said before he left, before he goes, just one question. How many of you are fully committed to the Lord? You want to do the right thing. You're making a decision to follow the Lord completely today. Raise your hand. And in this newsletter the following week, the entire church made a decision to follow Jesus. <laughs> so you sometimes need people to confirm the facts. God bless him. Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement over John Mark. What was that? Paul didn't want him to go because John Mark had left them originally. Yep. So Paul took Silas with him to preach in Syria, Cilicia, and then to Phrygia and Galatia, and then to Philippi to fulfill the call of God to go to Macedonia. What can we learn from these events? Sincere believers don't always agree. What else? I think sometimes leadership can see an ability or a call in someone else's life, and maybe not everybody agrees, but that's the way we minister to each other. Yeah. I can maybe reach somebody that you can't, you can reach somebody that I can't. Absolutely. Things that we see being an issue of, oh, we've got these two leaders aren't agreeing. And God uses that in spite of us. Yeah, good. Yeah, I was trying to say that you've got two, two leaders and they're, you know, it looks like something's going on. But at the same time, uh, all things work together for good. And then the Lord offers purpose. God used that to be able to reach out God is, God is opposed to disunity, backbiting, arguing, that kind of stuff, that, for that purpose. But he still uses it for the kingdom. He can still take what man meant for evil, he can use for good. And that's what's happened here. So he goes off, Paul and, 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 uh, and Silas go off and they begin preaching. But then they were stripped and beaten, placed in stocks in prison. Why? Because Paul cast out a spirit or demon in a female slave, which caused her to lose the ability to be a fortune teller. Why does God allow bad things happen to good people? So here's Paul, Silas. They're doing exactly what God wants them to do. Now think about this, folks. You at times are doing exactly what God calls you to do. And bad things still happen to you. How many of you have ever experienced that? I think probably all of us have. You're doing the right thing, yet bad things still happen. Why? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? We glory to him. Yeah. Our eyes are on the man above him, and then his ways are not our ways. Excellent. It keeps our eyes focused on ourselves, yeah. Um, like, like we 
Like, I think the, the harder question for all of us is what is my attitude when I'm persecuted for being good? What's my attitude when I know that they should have treated me this way and I got treated this way? What's my attitude when bad things happen when I think I'm doing the right thing? And I think this is where God is saying, God's got to direct us and hopefully through, if we have it from a godly perspective, we can see God's going to take me through these challenging times for his glory, for a greater purpose, so that ultimately we're, we're more like him. But that can be impacted. Our spiritual growth can be impacted. Our sanctification can be directly impacted in a negative way by our negative attitude. And we have to, we assume bad things aren't going to happen? Yeah. Like, that's, that's part of life. I work with someone who, like, if something negative happens, it's spiritual warfare. Or something's happened. Like, I didn't get a flat tire because Satan was running along my car. If that happened, why would I assume I'm never going to get a flat tire? It's like, you should be always seeking after the Lord. But those are the things that bring us closer to him. Those are the reminders of that in our faith. But I meet people who never think something difficult should happen. But why, in this world, away from the Lord, would we not realize that we're going to have stress and difficult things coming? Yeah. Our world. It's a fallen world. Right. It's a fallen world we live in. Some things are directly related to the plan of God. Some things are life happening that God allows to occur, but it's not directly his hand to do it. And then there's a few times when demonic and satanic forces are involved. And in each of those cases, what does God want us to do? Trust him. Trust him. That's what, that's what the Christian life is about. Faith. Walking day by day in faith to trust the Lord through it all. Even when we don't understand his hand, we should be able to trust his heart. That God loves us unconditionally. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Now that was a miracle itself. Are you kidding me? If the doors were open, I'd be gone. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now here's the interesting thing. Why would the jailer ask that question? He heard the hymns. He heard the hymns. And he realized that their faith was what set them free. It was their faith that set them free. Could have been for another reason. Yeah. Ultimately, we knew that he and his family 
become followers of Christ. And we, so we know this, this is directed, but think about it. Here's Paul and Silas who have been beaten, taken. He called for lights. They were in a dungeon. It was dark. It was probably damp. It probably stunk. He was shackled. His legs were shackled. Okay, think of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who this is happening to today. And it does. They were shackled. And they were praying. And they were singing. Now ask yourself the question. When bad things happen to you, is prayer and singing hymns part of our daily routine? Or is more of a complaining, sharing frustration, tweeting, Facebooking, sharing the junk that we have, we're facing, we're just ticked off, and why did this happen, and why does that happen? But Paul and Silas, after being beaten with rods, because remember when and we read this, he, the jailer takes him home and binds up their wounds. There was open sores on their body from being beaten with rods. They're in shackles in a cold, damp dungeon. And they're praying and they're singing. Lord, may I have that attitude when bad things happen to me. Another okay. thing to think about, too, is when he pulled his sword out, they could have been quiet and he could have committed suicide and, you know, other things would have happened. Sure. And, you know, they did speak up to save his life also. Yeah, they made it with, they could have thought to themselves, kill yourself. You deserve it. You're the one that put me in here. Pagan, heathen, unbeliever. But that wasn't their attitude. Why was he going to kill himself? Why was the jailer going to kill himself? He probably would have got killed anyway because he let them escape. 100%. Those commanding his life, his leadership, would have killed him. And who knows how they would have killed him. It's probably an easy way out to take your own sword and kill yourself. And they probably would have killed his family as well. They replied, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Now that doesn't mean that when the father gets saved, everybody gets saved along with it. Because clearly, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. They knew that they would believe. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Isn't that interesting? They didn't even wait to get baptized. They're getting, the middle of the night, they're getting baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. When it was daylight, <laughs> I love this part of the story. The magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. No. 
I'm not going to leave in peace. Even Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now they want us to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves in and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out, uh, came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. You see, the, the jailer, his home was actually in the prison. Imagine that one. Nice, but still connected to the prison. And he's like, hey, Paul, okay, you've been set free. Go, have a good time. Mm -mm. I want to say this. When they were going through this experience, okay, Silas still remained faithful. God blessed him for it. So there, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What would you be doing if you were in prison wrongfully? We talked about that. What motivates someone to pray and sing during trials? What motivates someone to do that? So we know this story now. That's where your hope is at. That's where your hope is at. Worship is how you fight. Yeah. Worship is often how I fight, too. You know that if you go through the trial. Yeah. That's where your strength comes from. Yep. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yeah.
we, we, we need to just keep on being faithful, praying, trusting God to do a miracle. The jailer realizes what has happened. He's going to kill himself. Why was the jailer afraid? Because of his fear of what would happen to him by those in authority over him. Why would Paul stop him? Because ultimately, Paul wanted to get the gospel to him. Again, do you ever have someone in your life who misused you? A boss, a secular boss. And something you're like, I just want to stick it to the man. But is our ultimate goal in their spiritual life or to get even? What question did the jailer ask them? You remember it? What did the jailer say? Fellows being said what? Gotta be saved. What was the result? Yeah, he is old. Household gets saved. The gospel, does the gospel motivate my decision making? Yes. Good. God used their suffering to get the gospel to this jailer and his family. Do I trust my circumstances to be an opportunity for a godly purpose? In other words, when bad things happen, occurring, am I thinking about maybe this is a divine appointment? Maybe I'm here to get the gospel to this person who I would never see otherwise. Now, I can guarantee you, all of us have failed in this at times. We've been in places and things, circumstances happen and thinking, why is this occurring? But if the gospel becomes a preeminent thought of our heart and mind, in the future, God can use you to bring someone to Christ who otherwise would never hear the gospel through the means God intended because he wanted to use you. God wants to use you to get the gospel to people and will allow circumstances to occur and sometimes will divinely appoint circumstances to occur, even bad things. He allows it to occur so that we can get the gospel to people. Paul and Silas refused to go away quietly. What was Paul's defense for not leaving without seeing the magistrates? What was Paul's defense? He's a Roman citizen. What did they do wrong? They put him in prison without trial. They beat him publicly and put him in prison without a trial. No Roman citizen could, should have applied to that, have that experience. The law of the land can be used for godly purposes. Sometimes it's important to know the law. It's okay to do what's legally right for ultimately the right purposes. Sometimes the law is against us. But when, when the law is on your side, it's okay to use it. And it's okay to use a lawyer. It's okay to, to have that legal defense on your behalf. How can we apply this principle of living in America? I think, well, ultimately, the days are coming that we should be aware of what we are, what's legal, what's right. Because we can use that in our defense. And we should be able to use that to be able to be free from, for example, when the pandemic occurred. Churches were shutting down left and right. They stopped meeting. Everyone was Zooming. Okay? 
Now, all of a sudden, Jonathan reaches out to the governor of Virginia and says, we've got a plan to meet. And he goes, the governor of Virginia, Northam, said, give me your plan. And he gave him the plan. And he goes, approved. You can meet. And he said, we'll make this the policy for the state of Virginia. Our pastor. He understood the principles. He understood the law. He said, you can't stop us from meeting. We're going to meet. But we'll be willing to give you a plan that we think is, is reasonable for right now. Okay. And rather than fighting in the courts and fighting with the church, Northam said, okay, we'll do it. Approved. Now, some churches still didn't want to meet. That's their choice. But fellowshipping together is important. So I hope that maybe when we get back to Bruner Hall, some of the fellowship can be restored from those who have gone away that haven't been back yet. And we pray to that end so it will be larger, there will be more space, etc. They went to Lydia's house. What did they do? What did they do when they went back to Lydia's house? <laughs> Party. Party. <laughs> <laughs> he instructed them. They praised the Lord. They thanked the Lord for what they had went through. How can our sufferings encourage others? Think about that. In your life, you will go through things. God allows you to go through certain things that maybe isn't fair to you. But what you go through at times, maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a job issue. Maybe it's a family issue. A struggle. Maybe it's something that um, you have no control over. And later, God works through it and does some things and there are people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, who go through very similar things, not the same, but similar things to you, and they're discouraged. They're ready to quit. They're ready to give up on God and walk out of the church. And maybe God can use you to encourage them to stay faithful to our Lord. God can use you. Don't shortchange yourself in what you went through to encourage and bless others. And then together as the body of Christ, we admonish and encourage each other to stay in the faith, to stay faithful, and to keep all of you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, help us to learn from Scripture the teachings that you would want us to learn, to trust in you, to live by faith, to have a purpose in our minds for sharing the gospel in all and any circumstances that you give us. May we see our lives as divine appointments and not just be discouraged and disgruntled and frustrated and angry and ticked off and upset when bad things happen to us. And they always do. Man, born a woman is full of pays and full of trouble. So God, may we trust you for them. And may we bless others through them. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week.